Shalom, shalom, shalom. Hey, what's going on? My name is Michael Sano. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast. I am so honored to be here with Reserve Major General Daron Almog, who is also the founder and chairman of Ale Negev, Nakhalat Iran. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you, Michael, for hosting me. Oh, of course. It's an honor. Now, to start off with, I'd like to... You have so many accomplishments, and you have so many titles. Most of the people that who come here, they have a title here, they have a title there. They've done this, they've done that. You've done it all. You've done everything. Um, so, I'd like to go all the way back to the beginning, if I could. If it's not too much trouble, I'd like to... Uh, know if you could tell us where you're from um, and your your early story. Who is the early young Daron Almog? Okay, well, I was born here in Israel, 1951, to Israeli parents. Mm-hmm. Both of them, my mom and my father, born here in Israel under the British mandate. My mom, 1929, my father, 1927. Wow. And they had one dream, one day to establish independent Jewish state. And for this goal, they were ready to give their life to sacrifice themselves. But also, they educated us, me and my brother. I'm the elder in mm-hmm. my family. They educated us that the most important thing for us as Jews is this country, the Jewish state. And, you know, it's not only lip service. Mm-hmm. Later, after the Yom Kippur War, when my brother, my second brother, was killed, Iran. I'm so sorry. And I was bereaved family. I had uh, also the privilege not to continue serving in combat unit anymore. And they were asked by my commander, Colonel Matan Vilnai, the paratrooper at that time, the paratrooper brigade commander, came to our house and asked my parents, um, what do you think about your son? Don't continue serving as I mean combat unit. Came as to fighter. your house in our house. In, wow! In, in in yeah, they sp- uh, he came to speak with my parents because um, before he came to my parents' house, mm-hmm. he called me and said, uh, "Listen, I want to give you the most risky uh, job mm-hmm. in uh, paratrooper brigade." the commander of the reconnaissance unit. And as the commander of the reconnaissance unit, you need to be ready to be number one in every operation, in every battle. This is the most dangerous job. And uh, I don't know what to do because you bereaved family. Mm-hmm. Your, your brother was killed in Yom Kippur War. That was two years later after the Yom Kippur War. Mm-hmm. I told him, go and speak with my parents. So he came to speak with my parents and you know, Isaac's sac- sacrifice in, in the Bible, it's in my house. He said um, what he said. And then my parents told him, you can send Aaron to every place in the world. You can give him every mission. Don't worry about us. If something happened to Aaron, we know how to face it. Okay. We lost Iran, our son. We lost many of our friends during the independent war. 48, 49, we know what this country is, uh, is about. It's about sacrifice. It's about the spirit to be ready to sacrifice. 
So you can take your own, give him the most dangerous mission ever. Wow. And he came, he came back, <coughs> called me for continuing the interview, and told me, you got it. You're the commander of the Sayeret Sanhanim, the reconnaissance uh, unit of the paratroopers. And uh, in this role, uh, I was the commander of uh, many missions. Um, one of them was the Entebbe, flying to Entebbe uh, the night of uh, July 3rd and 4, 1976. We flew 4,000 kilometers, landed 11 p.m. sharp. I was the first soldier on the ground to mark the runway for more three Hercules mm -hmm. and to capture the new control tower. Um, um, we've been there 53 minutes on the ground and during uh, the first minutes, the seven terrorists were killed by Yoni Netanyahu unit, mm -hmm. seven terrorists and about uh, more 30 Ugandan guards, Ugandan uh, guards were killed by some by my force, for by my force, mm -hmm. and uh, most of them at uh, other forces. But uh, 53 minutes on the ground, and um, we flew back to Israel with 105 Israeli hostages. Yoni Netanyahu was killed. Ershko Surin got a bullet in his head. Three of the hostages were killed, and another hostage. Dora Bloch was killed later by Idi Amin, the president of uh, Uganda. Wow. So uh, that that was in in respect of the education, <laughs> you know, the education I, I got in in my house to be ready to give my life for this country, for the only Jewish state in in the world. You know, my parents is the silver plater mm -hmm. generation. Silver plater is the uh, is a song by uh, Alterman, Latin Alterman. Oh, all right, yeah. The poet of uh, 48 and later, the 60, 70, 80, um, very well known. So the, the silver plater metaphor is about um, being ready to give your life for the only Jewish state in the world. Well, that's the thing. You lived through times that... I've only read about. You've lived through um, Golda Meir, Yitzhak Rabin, um, Menachem Begin, all the left and the right. It didn't matter. It was just the, the mission, like you said, was Israel. And it's also today, I believe. You know, the, I think uh, it's the most important thing for our soldiers, for those who are serving mm -hmm. our country, those in. Uh, Mossad, general security, um, of course, the, the IDF, the Israel Defense Forces. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in the Middle East, we are surrounded by enemies, jihadists, Hamas, terrorists, Iran, Hezbollah, and um, we need this spirit. I think today also is the same spirit in the current generation. However, um, I'm the generation of Yom Kippur. Mm -hmm. um, I lost many of my friends. I lost my brother in the Yom Kippur. I decided to continue serving my country as a fighter, as commander. And um, 1984, 
uh, 11 years after the Yom Kippur War, mm-hmm. our second child was born. I was 33 years old. I was a special force unit commander. And um, we gave our son, our second child, uh, we gave him the name of my brother that was killed in the Yom Kippur War. As parents, we want our children to be better than us, more successful, more talented, a source of pride. Uh, shortly after his birth, where we saw that uh, he doesn't react to noise, to clicks. Mm-hmm. And then we started some diagnosis at the age of eight months. We were told by a psychologist, we did him, my wife and me, mm-hmm. we were told by a psychologist, your son is having a combination of autism and retardation. That's the specific word she used. I think first time I heard the word autism. Mm-hmm. Then she said, I believe he will never speak. I believe he will permanently stay at the age of a uh, few months. This is a moment, you know, we felt the sky crashing on our head. Um, Didi, my wife, started crying. And then the next two years, in our debate how to continue living if our son will never be graduated of kindergarten, mm-hmm. either elementary school, high school, whatever, never get married, never bring children by his own, nothing. So our ongoing debate was how to continue managing our life. Uh, in retrospect, I can tell you that this child was never said one word, was never said dad, never said mom, never made eye contact. Mm-hmm. He became the greatest professor of my life. <laughs> he taught wow. me more than any other human being about our society, about myself, about stigma, shame, stereotype, about the place of the weakest members in our society, children like him. Um, I would actually like to interrupt for a sec because I list, I watched your TED talk and you specifically spoke about the uh, the treatment of those with special needs throughout um, and I, and I mentioned some names Golda Meir specifically. Um, if it's you could go into that, uh, and yeah. yes, it's not only that. It's if you could go that, into that, there are many people, you know. Um, the atmosphere which was created here by the generation of my parents, the silver plater generation. Mm-hmm. I'm generation of Yom Kippur. They are the generation of the silver plater, 48 war, the independent war. So I think from one side, what they emphasize is the sacrifice. Be ready to sacrifice yourself for the community, mm-hmm. for the only one Jewish state. Number one. But on the other side, children like our beloved son, Iran, as a matter of fact, were taken and put outside of our society, outside of the state. For instance, Igal Alon. Igal Alon was the best commander during the War, mm-hmm. during the Independent War. The best commander, number one. No question about it. He was the 
first commander of the Southern Command. He was the commander of uh, Yoav operation, uh, of the Dao operation. Um, he was the commander to take Beersheba, to free Negev, to take half of Sinai during uh, 48. Um, he has never spoken one word on his daughter, Nurit, <laughs> who was born in Kibbutz Genosel. She described, she's described uh, by the book of Professor Anita Shapira as beautiful child, didn't speak until age five. At age five, the Alon family conducted discussion, what we do. And they decided no place for Nurit in our family, neither in the kibbutz nor in the state of Israel. She was taken and put in Scotland. Wow. And he was a legend in Israel. They, you know, there are many streets, Alon street in Israel, many elementary school, high school, alone, there's community near Jericho, alone. He was legend. Many believed he would be one day prime minister. When we flew to Entebbe, he was deputy prime minister, Rabin. He was minister of education, but he never, he had never spoken one word on his daughter, no, he never mentioned. And, you know, by moving all over our country, we... We met many stories, many stories. For instance, Ada Sireni. Ada Sireni was a legend mm-hmm. in Palmach, in Mossad. Oh, okay. She was among those to kidnap Eichmann. She spoke in the, she gave interview a few months ago when Rafi Eitan passed away. Rafi Eitan was the commander of uh, Mossad unit, Mossad squad to kidnap Eichmann from Argentina. So she gave interview about Rafi Eitan, about uh, this legendary period of 48 and later in the 60s. She never spoken, she never spoken about her daughter Oli. I invited her to Alenegev, to the village which we mm-hmm. built for our son. At the end of this visit, I told her, you know your commander during 48, the commander of Falmach, Igal Alon, Never said one word on Nurit, his daughter. By the way, the, the brother of Nurit served with me in the Par Brig- Brigade in 202 Battalion. He didn't say a word. He didn't know his sister. However, I, I told Ada Sireni, you know, there was a daughter, Nurit, of Ruth and Igal alone, born in Kibbutz Genosel. Mm-hmm. She said, I live in Kibbutz Hiron, north of Israel. I had also a daughter like Nurit. Her name was Oli. We decided the same. We took Oli, put her in London, never spoke about her, never visited her. She lived in London 43 years and passed away. Wow. We were all ashamed. Golda Meir never spoke about her granddaughter, Meira. Meira was genius comparing our son, Iran. Meira gave interview to journalist Chaya Yosef, it's written in a book. It was written in a newspaper. And she said, Golda never visited me. Golda didn't love me. Golda told my mom to never mention Golda Meir had retarded granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Golda was fully ashamed on my presence. That was Meir what She passed away two years ago. Uh, we moved all over the country by the advice of a social worker in our town, okay. Rishon Lezion. 
uh, we asked the social worker in our town where children like Iran are living <coughs> in our country. She said there are many institutes, this institute, that institute, go and see. So we moved from institute to institute. You open the door, you got a blow of stink at your oh face. Yeah. You saw, and then you see distorted faces of, of children who are afraid from people, who are afraid from the world. And then you see shameful stuff, shameful walkers. You ask the, the walkers, what is this place? They, they lower their face they, and they don't know how to answer. So, is it that they're doing what they can and they just don't have it, or are they part of the problem? Or they, you know, because it's, ab it's about the legitimacy or the legitimacy mm -hmm. which was created by the founders of this country, yeah. the only Jewish state. You know, so they're on one side, by that. the yeah. spirit of fighting for the country, being sacrificed, being ready for sacrifice yourself to protect this country from the other side, you know, creating ito. Yeah. That they're retarded or they're severely disabled, cognitively, physically, is not part of our society. You know, this child, our, our child, Iran, who has never said one word, is like speaking with me all the time. My dear father, what a shame. What a fake society you create here. You say, Kol Israel Arevim Zelazeh. You are responsible one for each other, and then for bam, uh, for these values, you fly overseas, you fly to Entebbe, you, you go and, and and kill the terrorists behind the Munich massacre. They do many things for the state of Israel, you know, to protect the country. You say, "Love your friends, love yourself." Yes, you say, but you don't mean me. For those who the need way, the most protection, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's like saying, my dear father, you remember that I'm named after your brother, Iran, who was killed in the Yom Kippur War? Mm -hmm. You remember that uh, I'm named after Iran who was left behind? My brother was bleeding seven days until being evacuated in the Yom Kippur War. Do you remember, my dear father, that the Yom Kippur started because of your hubris? Because of your arrogancy, because you were so drunk wow. from the victory, the greatest victory after the 67 war. And you thought uh, the Arabs are nothing. You didn't count. You, you say, who are the Arabs after 67 war? Mm -hmm. After the greatest victory of 67? You said, they are nothing. Uh, the military boarding skill or, or the military orchestra will win the next war if it happened. Mm -hmm. Or only the, the standing military can conquer the ops. They are nothing. Say, remember, my dear father, why it happened? Because of hubris. Yeah. My dear father, it's also hubris, the same hubris, to take children like me put them overseas somewhere in monastery or church, deposit us, the disabled people, outside of the country. By the way, my dear father, you remember this is the only Jewish state? <laughs> you take us and put us... Wow. You put us to... You give us to Christians overseas? Why you created this country? What is the, what's the meaning of... Uh, 
of the slogans in your unit, my dear father. One for all, all for one. You remember the slogans in your, your mm-hmm. unit? You mean me also? By the way, my dear father, you can find yourself at the same position. Just like that. A split second. Because bullet in, in your body or head or terror action or explosive charge or elderly or stroke or whatever. You are not forever here. You are a human being. You are a temporary creature. How you want to be treated if something happened to, to you, my dear father? You want to, to be taken from this Jewish state overseas, put in some church or monastery, deposited by Christians? And the only other option was to go into one of these facilities that you were saying were horribly maintained. There, there's a, another thing. You know, the one thing is the shame and stigma enveloping okay. disabled children. But the second thing was also the law, special education law. This is the law until now. Until now in Israel, special education law bound the treatment of uh, the country, of the our beloved Jewish state, mm-hmm. from age 3 to 21. Which, uh, just remember, I told you that he was diagnosed at the age of 8 months. Okay. Oh, so the, there was... Yo, the word diagnosis doesn't appear in the law. What does it mean? If you need psychologists, okay, you cover it, but you fund it privately. Psychologists, education, drugs, but above all, social legitimacy. Yeah. Many parents are ashamed. Many parents don't know what to tell the community, or they don't want to tell they hide it mm-hmm. because in our family, you know, it's so natural to say in my family, everything is fine. In my family, you know, the apple fell near the tree. You say about successful children. Of course, it is so nice. Of course, the, the child is great. Of course, because in our family, everyone is genius. Father is genius, mother is genius, grandpa is genius. Yeah, we all, the generation of the, the, the genius from Vilna, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, now so, Ale came later so what 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 did you do how could you take care of him you were going on now, number one number one when I saw the situation in Israel mm-hmm. uh, number one I decided to speak about it I decided the, to break down the walls of shame and stigma okay so I started speaking about him when uh, when he was four years old when I was the part trooper brigade commander, when I was uh, 38, leading many operations, killing uh, Hezbollah leaders in, in, in Lebanon and operations all over the Middle East. At that time, I gave many, I started speaking about our child, about Iran, about the situation, the awful, shameful situation here in our beloved country for the most severely disabled people and children like him. And uh, I started speaking about one for all, all for one, also in our community, in our society. I started speaking about helping the weakest, and the most vulnerable people in our society. Um, later, when he was 13, um, we heard about Ale. Ale is an organization, organization which uh, was established 
in Bnei Brak mm-hmm. by religious, uh, ultra-religious people. And uh, one day the social worker in our town, in Rishon Etzion, came, came and said, Ale is opening another center in Gedera. Okay. And people like you, secular, they also may... Bring their children. Yeah, may, may, yeah, may get... Uh, they, Ale may take children like Iran. So there was uh, a, a selection board. We came to selection board. And after one month, we were announced... Iran is accepted to be in Ale Gedera, which uh, was named Moria. And then I started being involved. I started, uh, I was Gaza Strip Division Commander and um, leading many operations in Gaza. Mm-hmm. And parallel to my military missions, I started also fundraising. And I came to, uh, I got the permission of Chief of Staff. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. To start, That's yeah, wonderful. So I, I, yeah, I got the permission of Chief of Staff to for fundraising, usually I I did it only on Friday or weekend, mm-hmm. speaking about our son. And at first, we built together uh, with Ale. We expand the center in Gedera. We build another house for more 36 children in Gedera. Now, where is Gedera Ged- exactly? Gedera is about 30 kilometers south to Tel Aviv. Okay. So it was successful. It was amazing place, um, and uh, we succeed bring the money, and we succeed to build it. Wow! We succeed also to set a new standard for life, uh, life standard for children like our beloved son, mm-hmm. and he stayed from thirteen. To 22, nine years, he stayed in this center, in Ale Gedera. Uh, but at this period, we also knew that one day we got another announcement, Ministry of Welfare, and it came, saying, Dear Didi and Doron, your beloved Iran reached 21. He cannot continue <sighs> studying any longer in special education school. Is the law in Israel until now? What to do? It's, you know, it's like your country is telling you it was difficult to raise your child. From here and over, it's your problem. We, the state, we are not with you. You know, from the other side, you know, I was ready all my life yeah. to, give, to give my life to protect this country. There were no conditions. And the contract between me the commander, the fighter, and the state of Israel, you know, when you come, when you join the IDF, you swear to be ready to give your life when it's needed. No matter what. No matter what. No conditions. Then your country telling you, no, up to 21. Now it's your problem. So at that time, I was the commander of the Israeli South Command running many operations in Gaza as the commander of the, the second intifada. But parallel to the military missions, we convinced Ariel Sharon, the prime minister and the government of Ariel Sharon in 2001, to recognize the national need mm-hmm. to build a new model of acceptance, a village, full lifespan for children like our son children like him full lifespan until they pass away a place which would be 
a paradise. But above all, envelop these children by love. See, you're being too humble because I know from reading about you, you, when you were at the Southern Command and all, I think even before that, you had instituted programs with your soldiers where they would spend time volunteering. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's amazing. You used your role not only, I mean, you used your role in the way you're talking about. Every man for every man. Everyone for everyone. And that's, that, I, I think that in light of the need um, for the long-term care issue with your child and the other, or child, your son and everyone else's sons and daughters, um, your example, just with your position, move people's hearts it seems to me obvious it seems to me natural to do it or more than natural it's imperative i think this is the spirit of the jewish people the spirit of the jewish people tested in crisis you know and when this sentence we are all responsible one Mm -hmm. for each other when it started, this is a tradition. This is a history of the Jewish people. For many years of pogrom of Jews that were killed in diaspora. And you know, the, the, we think in, in special unit where we started the slogans, one for all, all for one. No, 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 no. That yeah. was started in diaspora, <laughs> that was started in ghetto, that was started in... In, in circumstances of, of pogrom, of being killed, of being massacred. So, you know, I thought to myself that we need also to stick in our traditional values, the Jewish values, even here in the only Jewish country. You know, it, it's a huge paradox mm-hmm. that here in this country we take Severely disabled children like our son, like Nurit, like Oli, like me, uh, we take these children, put them overseas and uh, for fostering uh, by a Christian family. You know, it, this is a huge paradox. What is that? This is the startup nation. But you were what an example of nation? Uh, Now, hold on, wait, because you were... Pretty much at the beginning of the startup nation, because of what you did with Ale Negev Nachalataran. And I'd like you to talk about that. And I'd like you to talk about how you expanded what Ale does and expanded um, the, the, the long term mission, the after 21 mission. We have, a, I feel that uh, I have two, two goals in my life. Number one, to envelope children like my son with love, giving giving these children the highest life standard. Mm-hmm. That's what we do in Alenege. But number two, and not less important, is changing Israel society, educating Israel society. Number two is tikkun olam. Tikkun olam is make Israel society much better, a model society. A model society can be a model society 
only by personal example, only by being sensitive, enough sensitive, mm-hmm. every day, every minute, every second, toward the weakest members in our society. The weakest members in our society, like testing us every day. <laughs> Are you ignoring us? Are you leaving us behind, bleeding behind? Are you enveloping us by walls of, sh- of stigma and shame? Or are you integrating us to your community, to this country? So Tikkun Olam is about make this society much better. And the supreme to- test The supreme test of our society is our children like Iran, our son. The presence of the weakest, the handicapped, the presence of these people, the, the most severely mm-hmm. disabled, the presence is the supreme test for us. It's a supreme test for every one of us as an individual, but also it's supreme test for us as a community, as a society. And we have also a program named Tikkun Olam, together with Ministry of Education. Wow. This, this year, 20,000 students, 20,000 students studying one year program of Tikkun Olam, how to treat the weakest members in our society uh, and The core center of this program is about volunteering. It may be with the uh, Holocaust survivor, with um, a handicap, with someone uh, just stay in hospital, mm-hmm. in hospice, uh, youngster at risk, poor people. People that their presence testing us like asking, do you see us? The people of Israel, the children of Israel, do you see us? Are you ready to support? Are you ready to assist us to continue managing our life? And uh, you know, our son, like all the times, telling me, my dear father, never forget that the social chain is always measured by its weakest link. The more you do to strengthen these links, you're a better person and better community, better society. Don't forget, my dear father, do it every day, every day, strengthening the weakest links in our society. And that's what I try to do. Now, let me ask you, um, you left the army. You did something that I'm sure to your peers was a little bit shocking. Um, and you went over, did you go straight out of the army to Ale? I started the Ale Negev while being the commander of the Israeli Southern Command. We registered okay. Ale Negev. Um, mm-hmm. We registered a non-profit organization, Ale Negev, at 2000. Okay. when I started uh, being the commander of the Israeli South Command. And I started as chairman of this non-profit organization 
parallel to my mission as the commander of the Israeli South Command. It was for me, it was only natural. It, you know, it was not out of the blue sky. Oh, yeah, One day no. I became uh, chairman of Alenegev. I started being mouthpiece of uh, children like Iran since he was four years old. And I was the paratrooper brigade commander. And, you know, after getting the letter of the uh, Ministry of Education mm-hmm. saying your child cannot continue any longer studying in special education school, I thought we must do something which is uh, breaking through. It's uh, out of the concept, out, out of the box thinking. It's something which will give the highest life standard for these children. And we started planning. We did three years planning together with Israel and Evo, who was a wonderful woman. She was also the manager of Moria and the Gedera, Ale Gedera Center. Oh, wow. Okay. And then she became um, um, the head of our steering committee for planning Alenegev. So parallel to my mission as the commander of the Israeli uh, Southern Commander since 2000-2003, we planned three years planning. You were putting Alenegev. everything, the yeah. logistics and everything uh, into place. So we planned. I started, I continue also fundraising parallel to my military. And something happened in June 16, 2002. June 16, 2002, the Israeli government approved a concept of building a village, full lifespan for children like our son. And the government, it was interministerial governmental decision headed by Ariel Sharon. The government said, we are ready to give 100 million shekel for building this village, but wow. by one condition. You need to bring half of the money. It's matching deal. Okay. So I decided to leave the military. And, you know, at this moment, I felt that everything on my shoulder to bring 50 million shekel at that time. As a matter of fact, the, the planning was double. It was about 200 million shekel at that time. Wow. Uh, Negev, until now, we invested in Alenegev more than 300 million shekel until now. We, there, there's nothing like that in the world. But uh, um, So I decided to leave the military, and a year later... July 2003, I left the military, and it was only natural continue the fundraising effort, bring millions of dollars. Uh, by the way, I'm volunteer. I'm a chairman as volunteer. I'm not paid. Me and my wife, Didi, and uh, as you know, I believe our son passed away in 2007, February 7, 2007. So formally... I have no reason to continue. I have no son in Ale Negev. I have no son who is disabled. Mm-hmm. And I do it because this is his legacy. Yeah. The legacy of our beloved son is like shouting from my stomach or my, my heart. Yes. My dear father, there are more children like me in this country. My dear father, please fight for these children. My dear father, please make this society much better. My dear father, please break this discrimination, break down this discrimination against children like me. So 
I continue. This is legacy. You know, it's it's stronger than me. It's beautiful. It's an amazing legacy. Uh, wow, Doron, I I don't know how to feel. You work with angels. You would not say it yourself because in sitting here and speaking to you, I know I get the feeling of the type of man you are, but you are righteous in what you do. Um, and I don't say that ever. So, wow. Um, thank you so much for coming on this show and thank you for being a part of what I do. And thank you for letting me be a part of your life. Um, thank you. I, I want, I want a little bit to expand. Please speak, speak a little bit, uh, about what we do now. Oh, all right. I apologize. Go okay. on. Um, in Alenegev, we decided that, uh, we will not build just institute. This is not just village. Okay. This is social community center. What does it mean, social community center? You know, our goal to integrate severely disabled people like our son. Mm -hmm. How we do it? Number one, we do it by rehabilitation. Number of children like our son in the world is about between half percent to one percent. Most of them identified by orphan disease. Orphan disease is very rare. Mm -hmm. The number all over the world is, is about 5,000. 5,000 people suffering orphan disease from more than 7 billion people. So there's no much investment in, in orphan disease. The residents of the village, are, all of them are suffering orphan disease. But we decided to integrate them with ordinary people also. How come? Number one, rehabilitation. Rehabilitation, every human being suffer from time to time some injury. Mm -hmm. Maybe road accident, maybe sport accident, it may be some disease. And about 20% from normal people suffering some injury or disability. Mm -hmm. Maybe temporary, but about 20%. This is also a big market. So we decided to integrate the 20% with the half percent. Oh, wow. So we built in Alenegev Big treatment services like hydrotherapy, like uh, physiotherapy, like communication therapy, like vocational therapy, like horse riding, like music therapy. Um, you know, we have about 12 different treatment. So at the same swimming pool, you may find child like Iran, our son, mm -hmm. um, politician, soldier, head of regional municipality, student in Ben-Gurion University, whatever, together. So we do treatment. We have a uh, contract with the Israeli HMOs, mm -hmm. Israeli Minister of Defense, Minister of Defense cover uh, the treatment for soldiers. So we do it together. So That's number excellent. one is rehabilitation. Number two, education. What does it mean education? We have... Uh, in Alenegev, we have ordinary kindergarten for 23 children from age one. And we teach them what is social responsibility. We integrate in this normal kindergarten. Wow. We integrate children like our beloved son. Mm -hmm. And we teach children from little age to be better human beings, to be responsible for those who are unable, mm -hmm. for those who and not privilege, not having the power to be independent. That is number two. 
education. Number three, visits. In our Judaism, we say there's a mitzvah, is order to visit disease, people who stay in hospital. In Alenegev, we have every day about 100 visitors. Wow. Every day, 100 visitors, more than 10,000 visitors a year. Among them, many from the United States. Many from the United States every week. Bus of tourists arriving to Alenegev. And you know what they say? They say, wow, we got proportion in our life. This is the most sensitive place. <laughs> This place is the most moving place on earth. More than the Western Wall in Jerusalem. Yeah, people, it's unbelievable what you hear from people <laughs> who are visiting us every day. Number four, volunteers. In Alenegev, we have right now more than 800 volunteers. Wow, holy cow. More than cow. 800 volunteers. We have 500 workers right now and more than 800 volunteers. Volunteers is... Is huge assistance for our work power. Absolutely. But also, it's allow us to be much better than any hospital in the world. Much well, better. Because love. On, on every worker, we have about two volunteers. You know, um, I have about uh, 200 volunteers from overseas, from 12 different countries. From Guatemala, from Peru, from Australia, from Germany, from Holland, from United Kingdom, from the United States, from Canada. Unbelievable. People arriving from all over the world. I have a website by five different languages. You know, just two weeks ago, 400 pilgrims, Christian pilgrims from mm -hmm. Taiwan arrived to visit Ale oh. Negev. And, and uh, they, with a band, and they <laughs> danced and, and celebrated with our children. We have amphitheater, which integrating the mm -hmm. children of a village, the disabled people, people who are coming for rehabilitation. So Alenegev is a place which integrates disabled, injured people, handicapped, severely disabled like our son, mm -hmm. students uh, from all sectors of society. You know, we have uh, professors and doctors and, uh, and, and students. We have uh, high-tech business who are coming just lately, uh, the... A pilot course just ended the the base of Hatzirim uh, base uh, the base of the mm -hmm. new pilots is very close so they did the ceremony here in Alenegev together wow. with severely disabled people so Alenegev is something which you won't found you won't find in the world. Well, it's a place of inclusion. It's, it's a place of healing. It's a place ab, of love. Ab, absolutely. That's what you feel. You know, you come, about thousand people around you, many hospitalized, many getting rehabilitation services, education services. You feel love. You, know, you feel the inspiration. And we want more people to come see the model, duplicate the model, mm -hmm. build a more village like Alenegev here in Israel, but also in the world. Right now, we built the first rehabilitation hospital in the south of Israel. There was no rehabilitation hospital in the south of Israel. Now, what is the south of Israel? South of Israel is Negev, a desert. About 60% of the land of Israel is desert. Only 8% of the population living 
in the desert. You know, most of the population living here in Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. But we need to decentralize, even from security point of view, because one missile from Iran may kill many people here in Tel Aviv. Yeah, we need to decentralize the population. Ben-Gurion, the first prime minister, said in the Negev, the state of Israel will be tested. Now we need to attract more people to the Negev. Right now, we built the first rehabilitation hospital, which give rehabilitation services in the mm-hmm. Negev. But also, mm-hmm. we build a new community for 500 families in near Ale Negev. Just walking distance to, wow. the, to our hospital. Uh, our growth brings us to a, a, a point which we need to bring more workers, doctors, physicians, psychologists, hydrotherapists, physiotherapists, communication therapists, administrators. We need many people. So we decided to build a community which uh, the motto, the, the title of this community will be also integrative society. So from one side, we have the staff, the workers, mm-hmm. of, uh, the re- rehabilitation services, the education services in Anenegev. Mm-hmm. From the other side, we also have people who are disabled and working in Anenegev. We qualify many disabled people to walk. We prepare, yes, to walk. <laughs> All you know, all the gardening, for instance, in Ale Negev, is done <laughs> by disabled people. Disabled people were not taken to military, for instance, were not uh, given a job in every company in Israel. We pay them; they are on our payroll, um, and, and they are par- and they, they are a part. They, they are, are a part. integral part. Yeah, yeah. We give them <laughs> jobs, work. We qualify them. Uh, we we sent our gardeners to the Baha'i Garden in Haifa. Oh, wow. To see the Baha'i Gardens and, and uh, you know, because it's beautiful. There are many flowers. And mm-hmm. So I want aesthetic uh, community, aesthetic territory. And uh, they came back and said, Alenegev is much nicer. They, you know, <laughs> that their gardeners come to and need to come to Alenegev to study. Absolutely. What does it mean? Uh, aesthetic environment. So we do many things, which is uh, a role model and setting a new standard. This is Ale Negev. It's something like paradise. You know, the Christian and Muslims and Jews walking in full harmony together. I have about 100 Muslims from the Bedouin community, doctors and nurses and physiotherapists and uh, physicians. And, and, you know, when you come... And just walk around, you feel the harmony, you feel the love from every corner. That's wonderful. And this is the spirit of our son. You know, is is in every corner. Is the goodness in this world, is the spirit of compassion and love to our world. And we need to expand it. That's wonderful. I'm gonna put all of this information in the description of the video. Um so that if you want to get in touch with Ale, if you want to give to Ale, I will give you all of the links, um, and you'll be able to do that. Um, Doron, is there anything else you would like to say? Maybe last thing. We built now also the first research center for rehabilitation 
What does wow. it mean, research center? It, it means we would like to be pioneers in new technology, new methodology for people who lost arms, legs, hands. Oh, wow. And they need artificial hands or, or a new technology for their wheelchair or, or a new application for their own rehabilitation at home. So a research center together with uh, Ben-Gurion University and John Hopkins University in the uh, United States and maybe also um, a joint uh, venture with the um, University of Toronto. Wow. So we are moving forward. Uh, we'd like to see uh, injured people, handicapped people, getting back to work. We'd like to see more people who are defined as disabled, involved uh, in, in Israel production, increased Israel GDP. Mm -hmm. uh, there are many, there are about 80,000 people, disabled people who are not integrated into the working market. So this is another target which... Uh, that's excellent. We emphasize. That's excellent. And it falls right in with your main goal of inclusion and yeah. bringing everyone absolutely into the fault. So, uh, General Almog, uh, thank you so much, Doron Almog, for being here. I really appreciate it. It, again, is an honor. If I seem a little bit uh, off, it's because I'm just a little wow right now. I kind of can't believe I'm <laughs> sitting across from you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Um, all right, guys, that's it. Todaba, the hitro ve yalaba. Thank you.